Hey, 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 Chica! Welcome to the Lavelda Show Women of Power podcast, the show where women share their personal power tools, the techniques, strategies, and ways of being which have enabled their business and life success. I'm your host, Lavelda Vincenzi, a female speaker mentor, speaker, and event host on a mission to unleash authentic, powerful female voices onto the world. In today's episode, we'll be uncovering the power tools of Cheryl Young. Cheryl is a corporate chief financial officer, motivational speaker, and a proud wife and mother. She graduated from RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology, in 1989 with a bachelor's in accounting. After several key finance roles, Cheryl returned to RIT to obtain an MBA in operations management and IT management. Cheryl has propelled her current organization by using money techniques learned throughout her decades-long experience managing finances and leading improvement projects for Fortune 500 companies. Cheryl's passion lies in helping everyday businesses manage money and traveling the world spreading financial wisdom. As you'd expect, today we'll be diving into money in business, including the one question you should absolutely ask your accountant and what their answer tells you about them and your relationship with them. Now remember, all of the links shared in today's show are found in the show notes. The only way to ensure that you get your regular fix of this show is to click that subscribe button right now to make sure that you get updates as soon as a new show is added. Well, 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 that is quite enough from me for now. So let us get on with the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Lavelda Show Women of Power podcast. Guess what, ladies? You want to shop over to the YouTube channel because I took out that leopard print. I did. I'm looking like an animal. I'm looking like a tiger today. Ready to pounce. Sounds really awful, doesn't it? does sound That's awful. Perfect. Anyhow, if this is the first time you joining live, then do hit that subscribe button because there's a ton of juiciness. Make sure you go back, listen to the old shows and hit the subscribe button so you get notified when new shows are added so you do not mix your, miss your fix. Today's guest, we're back on the money topic, ladies. We are talking to a CFO come business woman helper, helper outer. That's not even a proper term, but you know what I mean? Like proper corporate CFO now working with business owners like you and me, you know, the smaller folk, not the big multinationals, helping us do money better. Cause you know what? She just loves it. Ladies, welcome to the show. Cheryl Young. Yay, thank you. <laughs> I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, God, I've lost my words. Please ignore. Okay, so tell me, tell me, tell me, babe. How did you get into doing what you're doing? How did you become a CFO? I mean, I did a degree in accounting and financial management, and I couldn't. I just couldn't take it. I think I was too chatty. I just couldn't do it. Did you? Did you always have a passion for numbers and accounts, or did well, you stumble into it? I somewhat stumbled into it, but I always had a passion for understanding um, money because it was, it's what purchased things. And there was a lot of things that I wanted, whether it was shoes or fashion things, or this, it just felt like all the things that I really liked in my life were expensive or they cost money. And so I was on a mission to learn that. And I thought, like many people, going into accounting was going to get me there. And I got my undergraduate degree in accounting. And 
um, went to work for a public accounting firm and I hated it. Oh no. Oh, I hated so. it. It's true. It's true. I hated it. And I thought, oh no, what have I done? And what I realized was I really wanted to be a part of a company making money, not counting money. Oh, and okay. So there's a difference. <laughs> there's a big difference between making money and counting money. So the bean counter kind of thing that comes up is about counting the money. Mm -hmm. um, but the real finance people give insight into how money is spent and how money is earned to make a really big advantage to a company so that they can make a really good business decision and understand it before they make decisions. So that's where I found my passion. So once I got into a company, into the finance department of a company, and I have had every role you can have in, in finance in a company, every accounts payable, capital, accounts receivable, um, F financial planning and analysis, general accounting, um, a little bit of investor relations work that I've helped with. And you've been in it. Every aspect of finance. So when I think of the journey of being a CFO, it's, it's having to understand every role, not just every role in finance, but every role in the business. Because that's, the business makes money, right? The business makes the, makes the profit and mm -hmm. the product. So you have to understand how that process works so that you financially invest in the right area of the business to be very profitable or to, to drive the profits and make good decisions and help people make the decision in the business, not have it filter back to you making the decision, but teach them how to make the best decisions. Oh my gosh, so much in that. So understanding like the full breadth of what it is that a company is doing. And I think that's quite important when we're talking yeah. to business owners. Because yes. here's what I see quite often. I'm just going to give that to my accountant. But there isn't necessarily that kind of two-way conversation between right. the business owner and the accountant. It's like, I'm going to do the business thing and the accountant can just tally it up at the end and see what happens. Right. And you're suggesting that's not how it should operate. No. In <laughs> oh, fact, dear. Oh, no. I feel very strongly that finance partners with the business in a way to give them feedback on how their decisions performed. So what could make a decision better is to understand, okay, what, what happened and now what can we do better? So when we partner with the business and help them really vet good ideas and model them, literally mm -hmm. model out what we think they would do so that we make a good decision, whether it's a new product or whether it's cost improvements, whether it's investing in SG&A or engineering or marketing, you want to know what the outcome is going to be before you make the investment. So that's where we as finance partner with the business to help those decisions be like viewed in a way to be confident that those decisions are good. I love what you say there. It's like you give feedback on how the decisions have performed because right. sometimes like I'm just interpreting this from like the angle of my business, right? We look at the numbers at the end and we go, oh, there wasn't enough money. But to kind of at the end of each launch go, right. well, how did the financial, the decisions I made finance wise, not just the markets, like, could I have marketed it more cost effectively, for yes. example? Yes. You know, were those Facebook ads really performing or actually did yeah. we get more from the promotion that we did on social media? Right. But this idea that, that finance and the money element is a, is a, it's almost like a decision-making yardstick. How did you do? Mm, bad decision. Okay. Right. Didn't perform well, that decision, that decision. 
not a high performing decision. Maybe we make another one next time. Correct. Correct. Or what are our choices? Did we look at all the choices that we had? What was, what could have been, what were, what could we have done differently and then try that next one? It's definitely no decision is perfect. And every, every money decision has a little bit of risk to it, but you want to take the risk out by evaluating options and understanding what you're looking for. Is this going to provide the outcome we want? and then make those decisions. So do you think small business owners, the entrepreneur, do you think that they should be working closer with their accountant? Do you think that a lot of, a lot of small business owners are like missing a trick? So I do, they do, but they have to choose an accountant that is willing to give that, have that discussion. That's so a good point. You don't want to just, some, account, some accountants aren't ready for that. They know, mm-hmm how to do the accounting or how to, how to classify an expense. There's certain accountants want, have this, want to participate in your business in a way to say, hey, why did you do this? Because this was kind of expensive. And mm-hmm. what was the investment? And if you look at every dollar you spend is toward an investment for the future. So w- whether it's an asset or not, you're spending something that you're expecting something in return. Mm-hmm. So the kind of accountant you want is somebody that's, that is going to help you go review it with a little bit of a critical eye. And that way, and you've got to kind of have some, some humbleness to be, be ready to say, you got to be a little humbled by, well, why would you do that? Or it's not always the easiest conversation to mm-hmm. have because you've got to look, you've got to stare your mistakes down, right? Especially if a decision um, lost money. More important is to really understand what works, because if we get stuck in looking at um, what didn't work, we stay there. But looking at what worked and how you could do that better is also more, that is actually more powerful than looking at the mistakes. You got to be like, like looking at the mistakes that much is just demoralizing. Demoralizing. Like all you're doing is sitting there and going, okay, so I was a bad entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, that's not, that doesn't. (laughs) You want to look for what went well, because that's what you want to repeat. Mm-hmm. So spending more time on what went well is a better use of your time because then you can, you'll get creative of, of actually growing something that's growing. And so it's kind of like, you can't always work on your weaknesses. Your strengths are more powerful. So improving your strengths sometimes is, the, is what makes your weaknesses not important. And that's what you want to do with your business. You want to make your business strengths more important. So focus on how to leverage them up is really where I think a, a strong financial partner can help you and not, not take you down. Because we all know like cost cutting becomes a death spiral, right? You yeah. cost cut. So cost cutting does not save your business. It's a very short, short-term minded thing. Whereas strategic growth items are what drive your business forward. So you've got to focus on smart costs, smart reductions, but you also have to drive growth. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be able to, to recognize that the bottom line isn't always what makes the best decision. The top line is where you grow and then make a good decision on what you spend. Girl, you'd be just dropping all kinds of juicy, like, I mean, there's so, mm, girl, you ain't holding <laughs> back today. You ain't holding no. back. So for the entrepreneur who perhaps is listening to this and up until now has gone, my accountant does that stuff about the end of the year. And then they send me something. I 
I don't know what it says. I kind of signed the end of it. We call it a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, some of us have been there before, you know, maybe right. me, maybe not. You know, some of us have been there before. Some of us are still living there. Some of us are evolving beyond it. <laughs> In your opinion, what level of financial um, competence and understanding do you feel is like a minimum benchmark because not all of us are people who love the numbers. For some of us, it's just flipping confusing. It's all of this stuff that's flying at us. Getting into that level of detail or partnering with an accountant, it's like they're speaking a foreign language. I don't get it. So how do, where should we be upskilling ourselves to at a minimum? What what sort of things should we at least be able to understand? So I feel like your finance partner has to be almost, you have to have the kind of collection you ha- connection you have with your hairdresser, right? Your hairdresser has your back. They're going to not leave. They're not going to let you leave the salon without. Looking like a hot mess. Exactly. Exactly. Because you don't come back. You don't come back, right? You have to have that kind of a connection with your finance person. And so there's a couple questions that you would ask that person to get an idea of that's, if that's the kind of person you want to work with. Mm-hmm. So the number one question I would ask them after they've done the tax return, I would say, you know, if this was your business, what would you advise? So, if, so, let, so that you can hear what they are thinking. And you'll know instantly if that answer to that question is someone that is, is – someone you can continue to work with. Because if they give you an answer that is like, you should do this, this, and this, that's not the person. Mm-hmm. If they give you an answer and saying, look, I'd look into this area because this is going well. And what, what are you doing here that's making it go well? That's mm-hmm. a conversation. So, so this, somebody who wants to enter a dialogue rather exactly. than rather than just get, because because it's contextual, right? What's Correct. working and what isn't working is Correct. contextual. So if you have somebody who jumps to here's a list of things to do, then they don't have an interest in understanding the context. Is that Correct. what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. So the person that says, "Well, this I'm curious, why did this happen?" Mm-hmm. That person wants to know about your business. That person is going to have the dialogue where you're going to get to a common understanding and you're going to do well. Cuz one thing about finance people is they're super strong-willed and they have strong opinions. And so it, they are they do have a sense of entitlement in that they know more than other people know because a lot of people don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So, but that's not the person you want. The person you want is the person that says, I want to understand your business so that I can advise you the best of what's important to your business. Advise, mm-hmm. advise. Their role advise. is not to take the decisions. Right. It's to advise, to provide you with information Correct. based on, or provide you with proposals or options yeah. based on information. That's right. advice. Right. Prioritize. This is the best return on investment. This is not so good, but it's easier and less expensive. So you do a lot of corporate stuff. I do. But you also, you also do stuff with, with other businesses and, and work with business owners. How did you have that transition? What was it that had you decide to, to do that as well? So I was, I, I was, I've been in corporate all, a lot, but I love people. I really mm-hmm. love people and I love to see people succeed. It's kind of in my bones. I don't want, I don't want to see anyone fail. So as I started to realize that the 
online, there was some opportunity in online businesses and specifically courses. I would thought, you know, I could do a really good business course or a really good finance course. Um, I started to look at either network marketing. I started to look at what was out there in the, on the online space. Mm -hmm. And what I recognized was there's a huge like promise of all this income and there's not a lot of substance behind it. And I, I, and I was kind of merging all of my experience in, in what I know makes a business successful in this noise of just sign up and you're going to make all this money. And I thought, wait a minute, everything's a little bit of a business. And so what I felt like is there's people that need help. Like they're, mm. they want to make money, but there's a couple of skills they might need. Um, so how could I help them? Because I've been doing this my whole life. And it was... Um, at a time when my son went to college. So we are empty nesters. And my son went to college and I didn't know what I was going to do with all this extra time um, because you would literally uh, fall off a cliff. They graduate and go to college and your house goes silent. You're like, what? I wanted quiet, but now I don't want it. (laughs) Bring it back. Bring him and his friends back. I miss him so much. And so I had to, and I have a lot of energy. I have a boatload of energy. So I said, where am I going to use this energy to be positive? And this is kind of where I, where I found that I could use what I know to help people, Mm -hmm. especially the beginner business person, because they feel like a failure, but most businesses lose money before they make money. That's true. I didn't want people to feel like a failure because they were losing money when it's normal. And, but, but all this noise says, Oh, I made, I made, I made a half a million dollars in six months. I'm like, what? (laughs) It's just not realistic. We have a mutual friend because Katia was one of these, like, let's just call them anomalies, but she yes. also, and we interviewed her earlier on the series. So do yes. jump back and like, listen, I'll she, have to check marketing yeah. queen. Yes. Um, but she says like, she, you know, made a boatload in like three months, quit her job right. and then like, just kind of took off. But she went, right. I'm an anomaly. Like, yes. <laughs> it's not normal. It's not normal. <laughs> it's not how it normally operates. Don't right. look at me and judge yourself by that. Like, just don't do it. Right. It's, it was timing and a whole bunch of other things lined up just perfectly that it was, you know, it was designed to do that. But sometimes you're ahead of the market or you're a bit behind the market or you're in a very competitive space or, you know, she happened to have kicked off just as Periscope was going crazy and she got in like right on the ground accidentally and it was just Mm -hmm. perfect timing. And so for most business owners, that's not the case. (laughs) Right, exactly. But she's very financially savvy. And so she knew not to overinvest. And so she didn't go backwards before she went forward. She had already made really good, smart money decisions. So when the marketing kicked off, it exploded. Yeah. Um, And that is a, that's a positive thing. You know, everybody can do that. It just has to take a lot of different, and again, that marketing skill is um, a huge asset. When you know how to market, that is a big deal. Because um, when I talked to Katya, uh, marketing was not my thing. I told her, I think this marketing is voodoo. I am a finance person. It's voodoo. <laughs> it's voodoo. What are you talking about? So I have had to embrace my inner um, set my inner marketing spirit because it was deep buried and I didn't have that. Most finance people talk to their salespeople and marketing people and they say, I spend money, Cheryl, just don't, I'm just, just I spend, you save. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We all make a good decision. 
we all make good decisions. But I love what you said there because sometimes, listen, sometimes the good stuff gets buried in the conversation. But there's yes. something you said in there about, um, and it was in relation to Katia, but also very much in relation to the running of a business, which is making sound financial choices and not over-investing. And Correct. I mean, I know I've personally fallen foul to it. I am totally like, on more than one occasion, I'd like to be able to say, no, I'm, I'm cured. Never happened nope. to me. Nope. I've been there, got hooked, line and sinkered. And it's what I call the speculative investing. Do you see yes. this a lot? All, all the time. And I'm not immune either. I just have this process of reevaluating. So I tend to go back and say, what, did, what was I thinking when I bought this? Because, and then I go back and tell them, you know, when I bought this, I had these expectations and you certainly didn't live up to those expectations. Is mm -hmm. there a refund that, you know, I'm not afraid to ask for something when it doesn't mean meet my expectations. Mm -hmm. um, and I will give 100% to something. If I don't, then I know it's my fault. Yeah. But if I give 100% and it still didn't meet my expectations, I'm like, oh no, you, this was not what you, you it, sold it was, me. It was never going to deliver right. what, no, it wasn't no, designed no, no. to do that. <laughs> correct, correct, correct. Exactly. And I think that you go through phases where when you're learning something new and you, you, you can't learn it fast enough, you buy into a lot more. It's mm -hmm. just having kind of, that's where a budget is your friend, right? You give yourself a budget and when you hit the line say, okay, I'm, I, I'm not buying anything for the, till next month's budget is open, you know, so that you don't, don't overspend in one month and then you're in trouble. So I feel like a budget is what gives me those guides that help me make, okay. keep, keep me in the guides. Quick question before we move on to the next kind of segment. Do you see any discernible difference between the way uh, female entrepreneurs and male entrepreneurs run their finances, or are we all equally as messy as each other? Let's see. Well, I think that females are, have a different heart. Like we are more willing to spend on other people mm -hmm. because we want to take care of them. So we will spend on our children. We will spend on our spouses. We will spend on the people that we love our friend, you know, we will do that because that is where our heart is. Mm -hmm. And I think men have stronger boundaries. Um, so they find a different way to connect to people without spending money. They just don't, don't always feel like they have to spend money to get anything done. And then they move on. So I think there's a somewhat of a difference in that. They, um, we will, we will sacrifice our self to help other people and men just don't always do that. And it's I not think that's a really interesting point because especially um, in the coaching sector, mm. that looks like over-servicing a client. And that, that is expensive. Yes. That costs money. Even yes. though it's not a spend, like you don't see money physically leaving your account because that right. coaching call that should have been half an hour was an hour and a half, you know, right. in those sort of scenarios. Yes. But that is a cost to your business because right. that extra hour you could have dedicated Done. to something else that would have been more effective. So this is back to those decisions where they only mm -hmm. paid for half an hour, but your boundaries have now meant you're over delivering and over servicing clients. And so, Correct. so I, I wanted to pull that out because sometimes yeah. we see it as the physical exchange of money, but sometimes with boundaries with women, it's yes. not even a physical exchange. It's just the no. giving, the giving, the giving when they didn't pay. Exactly. Because think of if you're in, a, in, a, in an accounting firm, it's all about billable hours. So oh, yeah. You're in, in lawyers, right? Billable hours. And when you're an entrepreneur, you have to think in billable hours. So when you give an extra half an hour away, you just took away another client. Mm 
you took away that capacity that could have been another client. Mm. And so you want to be aware of those things um, because the next time as you're growing, you give it away because it seems easy, but there's a time frame when as you grow, you won't have it to give away. And now mm. you change the expectation. So, so now somebody who was used to jumping on a call that was originally half an hour and always mm -hmm. got 45 minutes to an hour. And you now tell them they're going to get their half hour because that's what they right. paid for. Right. They're upset because that's yes. not what you've been delivering up until now. And Correct. That, that kind of conflict. But it's something, right. I, it's definitely something to keep aware, to remain aware of. If, you, if this is speaking to your soul, darling, you need to stop and take a moment to reflect. Right. Right. Think of an example, because if you're out to a restaurant, right, and the restaurant sees you there for the first time and they want to super please you and they give you a huge portion and all these extras, right? And you're like, this is amazing. That's amazing. It, they right, have great it, portions. It's unbelievable. And you come back the next time and it's just normal. You're like, what happened? So, and you get, you, you, it changes your perspective on this. So I feel like it's important to kind of set your boundaries and, or if you're going to give extra, make sure you tell them, you know, we're supposed to be done by this time. Um, but I'm definitely willing to give you another 15 minutes, make sure they know you're giving them value. Mm -hmm. So the next time when they have to cut off at, at half an hour, they understand that was the normal and they got extra last time. So that, but understand when you don't do that, boo-boo, that's yeah, on you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to have some awareness. The timer is your friend. <laughs> Set it. Just kind of go, timer. the oven's gone off. My phone's wrong. I've got it. Do you know what the best one is? I have another call starting in two minutes. Yes. You don't have to have another call starting in two no. minutes. But it went ding, ding. So Correct. that means I have another call. So I need to wrap this up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's true. a commitment. Yeah. It's a commitment. And it's true of meetings that aren't like, it's true of many things because sometimes meetings go on longer than they need to be when they could be done in a certain time. So I have often said it's more important to end a meeting on time than start a meeting on time because that is where the value is. Cause it doesn't take that long to make the decision, but it does take that long to have everybody heard, but now you have to make sure you do that quickly. So, and it's a good test for yourself. Just play mm -hmm. with it for a little bit, play yeah. with it for a little bit. Just, exactly. you know, think of it like bringing more money into your business. Cause that's Correct. effectively what it's doing immediately. Just 100%. making you more profitable straight overnight. Instantly. Cheryl, from your perspective, darling, what is it, you know, working with large organizations, seeing like how the money kind of moves around and different individuals interact with that, right? You know, they yes. have their own little, own little connection to or disconnection from the financial <laughs> yes. conversation. What is it that you've seen, you know, from your perspective that you think makes a woman powerful? What's the Seven. essence of a woman's power? So I feel like the essence of our power as women is that we can prioritize and take action quickly. We have to be decisive. When I think back to when my son was little and I was a working mother and I had a, a certain amount that had to get done and I had to work all day. In order to get that done, I had to decide what was important and get it done. Mm -hmm. So 
I would be very quick to make decisions, very quick to evaluate and make decisions. Or if I didn't have enough information, recognize I didn't have enough information to make a decision and tell myself that. So I didn't overrush a decision, but I would know there's not enough here to make a decision. So Mm -hmm. this is going to have to wait. So prioritizing that stuff is what I feel like has made a huge difference as far as women versus men. Because we, especially my own self, I had to get so much done being a working mom that that changed the way I did things. And and it made me recognize like perfectionism isn't always productive. So good enough, got it done. Mm -hmm. And, and the things, and then the things that had to be perfect were only a few things. The rest of it just had to get done. Oh, I love that. As you're talking, I'm thinking there's games we can play with ourselves because I watch women who otherwise make really sound decisions, like super sound decisions, work incredibly well under pressure, faff in business. (laughs) Yes, yes. You know, I I may have been one of them, you know, a while back. But games that I think are quite, because sometimes we just need a little game with ourselves. Yes. If you, if you, if you take away or arbitrarily create a situation in which you have to make the decision faster because you, you know, you've got a target right. to meet each month, you'll mm-hmm. do it. Because if you think of like the idea of when you've got children or, and a busy day or yep. you're running your business on the side and got a full-time job and, and, and you make those decisions quickly because frankly, you ain't got the time to sit on it and faff nope. around for ages. Mm-mm. Um, and so it forces you to prioritize right. the decisions that are most important and make those first. Yeah. And I think when we don't have that structure set up in some way, even mm-hmm. if it's arbitrarily set up in our business, right. sometimes through finance structures where your accountant's going to call you and ask you why you didn't hit your target this week, yes, something, yes. <laughs> something yes, like right. that, um, to force you to to make a quick decision, you'll yes. sit on a new idea for 500 years working out right. how exactly to get the tech right. and blah, blah, blah out. But if you know you had to sell something by the end of the week, trust me, that website would have a pin in it and you'd be picking up the phone. Yeah, exactly. You have a different, uh, different um, priority. You would, you would change priorities quickly. So it's 100%. So I feel like that's where you, and you, you brought up a point that I like people to understand. Your skills are transferable. Your life skills, all the stuff that you're good at in life is transferable to your money. I'm (laughs) lost for words again. I'm like totally lost for words again. I'm sitting here. I'm like that, that, that. I might have to do a meme out of it. That. (laughs) Yeah. That right there. And when you realize that like decision-making is part of your money and you're already a good decision-maker, now you're just going to learn it in your money. And that's the transferable nature of it. Girl, you're going to make it sound so darn easy. That's it. Just, <laughs> it's just decision-making, darling. That's it. Just decision-making. Just one good decision at a time. Well, when you put it like that, I don't know what, right. why we've all been faffing up until now. Well, we do get a lot of things get in the way. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm going to ask you the mean question I ask all my guests. Yes, yes. I bring my guests on here to be somewhat mean, but we need to know. So (laughs) you being the first financial officer we've had here, I feel like, you know, chief financial officer, somebody who knows money, works with companies, understands how to manage money for profit. This is important. So these tools, these power tools, I am very, very interested to hear because I love that perspective of, the person handling the money, what is their (laughs) essence? So here's the mean question. 
If I were to ask you to take everything that you've done in life and in business and boil it down to just three things, like three tools, techniques, or ways of being that you mm -hmm. would say were the essence and the core of your success, what would they be? Okay, let's I told see. you it was me. I know. It's, it's not too bad. Um, all right. So if I would to say, take it down to three things, especially uh -huh. from a chief financial officer, um, conflict. So this one is, I think, one of the hardest ones to do. But if you can handle conflict with kindness, because conflict gets you better decisions. Oh. When you can hear conflicting views in a kind way, and it doesn't stifle people, that they are willing to share their opinion, you will get a better decision out of conflict. Oh, oh, like right here, like mm -hmm. right, right. Like I'm just the layers in that <laughs> when There's somebody says something and you're like, because I know in business, there are lots of those conversations or you're looking to do something new and fresh and right. it's so precious to you. It's yes. like your thing. The last thing you want is to hear somebody poop over it. Right. Because that feels like conflict and an attack. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's like conflict. That's, it feels like an attack, which exactly. is conflict. It's conflict, which is why I have to say it's got to be conflict with kindness. Mm -hmm. Because that person that gets poo-pooed with all that negativity is not going to give you another idea. But what you want is conflict to allow you to build an idea up, not knock it down. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's weather it. Let's make sure we test it. Let's, let's test it with what could go wrong. That kind of conflict makes it a stronger answer and a stronger solution. And so that's where the kindness comes is you've got to prepare people that this is going to make our products better. So let's, let's, let's fight it out. Let's figure out what's, what the conflicting views are and why, and let's resolve them to make the product better. That's also inviting that mm. conflict. Yes. And that can be, especially if it's like your core idea, it's yes. being able to have that, that moment with yourself where you say, listen, right. it's a big girl panties day today. Okay. Yes. We're going to go yep. out there and ask people to poop on this. Exactly. And some of the poop just smells and we need to get rid of it. But right, some right. of it, some of it is what, you know, what we need to know, what we need. Like it's, it's got seeds in it. It's going to help right. the business grow. I, that sounds like better. a really, really dirty, dirty analogy. Yes. I have to do better. <laughs> but, well, it's just true. You want to know what'll go wrong. You want to make it better and you want your idea to grow. And so if your idea has the, the strength of those seeds, you want people to make it stronger. I think I use the analogy of a rose bush. When, if I don't, this is a, out there. I've, I one time grew a rose bush. And um, what you have to do is limit your watering in the beginning. When you plant a rose bush, you mm -hmm. have to limit the watering in the beginning because you want the roots to go deep. Yeah. Because that's where the water is so that they'll sustain longer term. If you water it and take care of it, it the roots won't grow deep and it will die once you stop watering it. It won't, it won't have the ability to self-sustain. Mm -hmm. You want your idea to have deep roots. So you want the people to, to tell you what could go wrong so that its roots are deep and stable. That's, what, oh. that's the analogy that comes to mind in my, my idea. Because the greatest products are stable on their own. The greatest ideas and solutions make it because they've weathered some storms. And that's what you want to do is create the storm, prepare somebody, prepare somebody to say, we're here to make it better. And 
everybody's going to have to give both an idea that's going to help the product or something that could go wrong. You can guide, as a leader, you guide the discussion so that it's balanced. That's where I feel like being kind makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. You be extra kind in that situation because you know people are vulnerable and you need them to be vulnerable all the time, not just once in a while. You need them to be able to tell you. And me as a leader, I have to tell people that report to me or I have to tell people, I want to hear what's going wrong. Because as you get higher up in an organization, people tell you less. They do. <laughs> they are not as willing to criticize you. And so you have to make it okay for them to criticize you in a way that makes you a better leader. So buy some big girl panties and wear yeah. them. Put them yes. on, go out yes. there. Conflict yes. with kindness. Yes. You know, um, Conflict with kindness. Buy, buy the big girl panties and make them your best friend. That's what I'm, that's how, that's how that's I'm going to summarize that yep. one. Exactly. <laughs> so that's your first one. Conflict that's with right. kindness. So the second, What's the second? is the, is what I think is one of the easiest things, but most difficult is listening. You have to listen. You have to listen. You have to actively listen. So I, there's two ways to listen, and this is going to be another, this is what I've said to people. You, you have to listen to what people are saying, and you have to listen to what they're not saying. Oh. So, but sometimes I just want to hear what they're saying, because what right. they're saying sometimes is really good. It's really good. <laughs> sometimes what they're not saying is important, and you need to draw that out. So when you hear all positive and you don't hear anything negative, you have to ask for what could go wrong. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by listening. You have to listen for what they are saying, which is very inactively listen to that, but also listen to what you're not hearing so that you get a complete conversation. That's an important thing to with when you're talking to a finance person, because sometimes they're the messenger of good or bad news. Mm -hmm. And if you're only hearing good news all the time or you're only hearing bad news all the time, you're not hearing the other half. So what I say is what, listen to what people are saying, but also listen for what they're not saying. And I suppose a good way to support making sure that happens is to have that moment beforehand to have a think about a yes. full conversation, including inviting yes. the conflict. This is all intertwined. I can see it it's, now. Yes. Yes. But really thinking, look, if all I'm hearing is good, I want to invite some bad. And if all I'm hearing is bad is I want to invite some good right. so that you can always have that sort of beautiful balance. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was the, that's my, that's, that's, that is really a deep secret of mine to listen for what people aren't saying, because that allows me to engage the conversation to a new level. And that makes a big difference. Take the conversation deeper by listening for what has not been, been said yep. and exploring that go yep. in there opening yep. that door knocking upon it give it a little tap say exactly. hey, hey we haven't we haven't come to this door yet right go through it i'm all over the place today <laughs> <laughs> i'm listening to myself we've had doors and seeds and poop all sorts today all yes. sorts so what's your what's your third your third power tool so my third power tool and is, um, so I think something in my bones, I am super positive. So I just am positive about everything. So I try to find the silver lining in anything that's going on of how I can grow or what I can do better. Um, and my energy is drawn toward that. So mm -hmm. that is what I think allows me to have um, that, that people can trust me, that 
the one thing they can count on is I'm going to be positive. So they can bring a, a bad thing to me and we're going to, we're going to work it out. We're going to figure so, it out. Yeah. yeah. We're going to figure it out. It's not going to, you know, I've got a couple, when people bring some really bad news, I'm like, okay, good to know. Now what are we going to do? <laughs> but it's being able to take every, it's almost like taking everything in your stride, not positive in the sense of, cause some people, Oh, somebody's positive all the time. All they're doing is banging on about how great things right, are when yeah, they're crap. Yeah. No, 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 doesn't no, no. sound like that's what you're talking no, about no, here. No. It's no. about being able to look at a situation and say, there must be a possibility in this. Correct. Where are There's we a... taking it to next? This is just, exactly. it's just information. It's Where just are we taking it to next? Exactly. That I am not going to crumble. I'm not going to, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have an emotional, I'm going to take it in and I, we're going to find a way to positively handle the situation. Do you know what? This brings me back to the very first interview in this series uh, was with a lovely lady called Marsha Martin. And she like she told me off because I was like, you yeah, know, but the negative and she just, she genuinely doesn't see positive and negative. And so it's a really uh. great one to listen to, to really take this point deeper. Oh yeah. If you're somebody who's naturally always looking like the devil's advocate, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -mm. There's beauty in that. But right. understanding, expect, if the devil's advocate is expecting it to go wrong, there's a devil's advocate who's looking for, you know, the opportunity. And that exactly. one always gets accepted a lot more than the one that's pooping over. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And there's people that are naturally good at it. And mm -hmm. I always find, and they will always surf, they'll know that they're seen as negative. And yeah. so the devil's advocate is a great way to characterize them because that's what vets a, a decision to make sure it's better. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we want people to be a devil's advocate, especially in critical situations. Yeah, but there's a difference between devil's advocate and somebody who's just a pooper on every good Correct. idea ever known Correct. to mankind. Exactly. We and don't they, like them. No, no. <laughs> that's where those are the people when you can hear what they're not saying and you have to draw it out of them yeah. too. Because when you know it's all one-sided, it's not right. There's got to be a balance force them to find the good force them they're gonna have to force put on their them. big girl panties and right. tell you something good come on exactly. you can do it you can exactly. do it <laughs> oh my gosh this has been a joy right oh, there's gonna be people it. who have been listening and are having a fresh perspective on money or thinking okay i need to learn a little bit more like i really had not thought about my relationship with my accountant at all i hadn't thought about the decision the impact of those decisions i want to be able to get much more robust in the way that i handle my my finances my business finances in particular how does somebody get in touch with you my darling so i have a website smartmoneycheryl.com and i believe i'll have to double check but i think there's a way to contact me there and um you can even schedule a little 20 minute session if you wanted to if you had something specific and wanted to be directed um i've been taking some some meet and greet calls like that to to get to know what people are, where people are and understanding. I've been in the corporate world my whole life. So this is a little bit new to get out there as, as my own brand, Smart Money Cheryl, and to take, a, take it to a new level. So that's, that's the best way to get a hold of me is to my website and there's a uh, contact me. Bada bing, bada boom. Um, all of which is in the show notes. So do scroll down, click on them. All the links are in there. Just, you know, make your life easier. And you've got a little freebie for us as well. I, I do. do love guests who come with freebies. <laughs> what have I you got? Do. What have you brought? Tell so, us about the goodies. 
All right, so I have, in order to start this journey, I started a little five-day Find Your Money Challenge. And so it's a free challenge. You join a group, and for five days, I do daily trainings, and you collect points by doing three things a day that take less than 10 minutes a day to do. The first is make your bed. Get up, make your bed. That takes two minutes. Track your spending. That probably takes three to five minutes. And then post a picture of the made bed and your money win. And I call a money win is where you made a decision about your money that was good and good for you, whether it was not spending money, which is very good, or spending intentionally on something important. You describe one minute money win. So that takes 10 minutes a day. And there's bonus points that might be a little bit over that that I throw in as surprise to get people um, excited about money. But this challenge runs once a month. So every month you'll be able to catch it. And there's, um, I'm sure on my website, you can sign up for the next one coming up. And I do that as a completely free. And uh, when you sign up, occasionally I have some freebies of, of, that come with that as well. Head over, do the five day money challenge with Cheryl. <laughs> exactly. Right girl. We've got, we've got to bring this plane into land now. <laughs> I'm going to put you in the pilot seat. I'm going to be co-pilot. How are we wrapping this show up today? What one thing would you really like to leave people with today? So if I was to leave people with one thing that, would, that could carry them through anything they're doing, it would be confidence. That you have the confidence to make your best decision that you don't have to get confidence from anybody else, but from yourself. So I would say that when you feel not confident, find your confidence, whether you meditate, whether you reflect on a really good thing you've done, transfer that confidence to the money decision you make. And I feel like that will take you even farther than wherever you are. Oh, confidence, darling. Do you already have the confidence that you need to make fantastic money decisions that are going to transform your life and your business. You've been listening to the Lavelda Show Women of Power podcast. If you've not yet subscribed, please do so. If you're watching us on YouTube, don't just hit the subscribe button. Also hit the bell. All of the notes are in the show notes. Uh, Leave us a five-star review. All of that good stuff. Until next time, it's been me. It's been Cheryl. It's been the Lavelda Show. See you in the next episode. Ciao, chicas.